Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Hello and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live. Well, it's live when I record it. From Atlanta, Georgia, or actually just south of Atlanta. So thanks for joining us this morning. I had a incredible week. It was um, Thanksgiving was always fun. Lots of food to eat, um, good family times to spend with each other, and um, just kind of kick back and enjoy the camaraderie of family and food and fellowship. So had a had a ton of fun. Got to uh, see. A regular guest on the show, Josh Wiley, he came down here for a couple of days, so got to spend time with him and his dad. Um, very cool man in his own right. Um, we had a lot in common, so that was um, tons of fun. So needless to say, the um, we are getting ready for a lot of fun on the broadcast this morning. So um, where to begin? Where to begin? Well, we've got... The aftermath of Ferguson, which is interesting. We have some interesting news articles that I wanted to cover and kind of expand upon a little bit later, as well as um, what looks like the beginnings of the Ukraine becoming more and more of a contrived uh, situation, you know, with everybody wanting to believe that uh, Putin's neo-Bolshevism and uh, neo-Nazism of the Ukrainians, so it's um, it's a hot mess. It is an absolute mess. So I don't really tune into a lot of um, mainstream media because I've kind of broken with that paradigm, and I just kind of, I guess, develop my own sense of what's going on by reading uh, sources that I kind of trust, and will cross-reference them with other sources, and Typically, that's where I formulate my opinion. I don't uh, sit there and let uh, Bill Maher or Bill O'Reilly talk to me about um, what they think that my reality should be. So that's what um, I wanted to touch on briefly is the, the idea of, um, of state-run propaganda. The idea that um, we're running more along the lines of a system like the 1980s Russian system than we really do re- resemble anything that would be considered quote-unquote Americana. Which is funny because if you look back at the old Americana, the old Americana was about questioning the government at all costs. It's like, no, they're going to lie to you, so question them. And for some reason, and I'm going to point towards the 9-11 as being part of it, but also some of the um, videos and stuff that I saw over the week kind of um, didn't reinforce that idea. I always thought of 9-11 as being like the catalytic event, especially when you're talking about breaking someone from the paradigm. And Josh and I's father had a, a long discussion about this. That's usually the last domino to fall because if you can admit to yourself that you were lied to about 9-11, this catalyzing event that created the entire police state and the entire uh, idea of military worship that we have here in the United States. Not to say the military is bad, guys, but we do resemble a lot of a lot of pre-World War II 
Germany from a sociological standpoint, not from an economic standpoint. Good God. We don't have sanctions and stuff on us that will make us impossible to come out of debt and have reparations and um, all of those other things that would never be able to be paid back. So military, I guess, um, confrontation was inevitable. You know, it was basically there was just a pause between World War One and World War Two because of the way that it was set up. It was full minutes to begin that. So anyway, not really looking to give a history lesson right now, but if you look at the way that we act here in America, it's um there's never communication and I talk about this a lot. It's never communication and um Rick Stragenborg and I did a um did a nice video talking about that and I'm gonna put that up here in the next couple of days. I should have it actually up by t- the end of the day today if I can have time to edit it down. But um, just labels in general are are terrible, and we've become a a society of labels. You know, whether it's through Madison Avenue or whether it's through um, what we experience every day with the sports culture, it's um it's kind of reinforced this idea of uh, tribalism. To uh, and it's it's tribalism almost to a fault. It's really kind of scary in the fact that we can't open our eyes and open our minds to a different perspective or a different point of view, even though that point of view can make a lot of valid points that we would actually subscribe to. You know, it's it's this idea that um, that I've got it all figured out. And, you know, don't mess with me because this is this is this is what I've got figured out. This is what I know. So typically when you when you talk to people that are quote unquote awake, and everybody knows that I can't stand that term, but you know, let's just use it for the the term of the moment in order to identify people that that understand that um, that media sometimes doesn't um, report the truth because they're reporting for special interest groups or that Congress in that case will uh, vote for not your um, benefit but they will vote for the benefit of the selective uh, quote-unquote America and anytime you hear a politicians talking about American interests they are not talking about you and me they are talking about uh, corporations and um, governmental agencies that are set up within the, uh, the structure of the state, which, once again, the state is not really there. It's a um, it's a figment of everybody's imagination. It's just a bunch of uh, buildings and a bunch of people in suits. It's not real. But until we can come to grips with that idea and we can come to grips with the idea of self-governance and in a um, an open market uh, and, f- and not free enterprise like they always try to co-opt this term of the free market and the open market and they call it free enterprise. No, that's collectivism. It's really ridiculous. Um, which reminds me, by the way, I should actually play a piece of 1984 towards the end of this show because I was at um and I'm listening to it on audiobook, but it was so powerful talking about um talking about uh, oligarchical oligarchical collectivism and Josh and I had a discussion about that um, that portion of the book you know, specifically and he says you know anytime you watch a, um, a reprint of that it's typically that is the portion that they leave out and I guess because it makes for a better story to make it some you know dystopic future you know the 1984 dystopic future but but um what George Orwell, Eric Blair, was was writing about in that book was what really does go on in society. The oligarchical collectivists. And the reason that they push 
the collectivism model is because it's the easiest way to command and control people. You know, if they give you little baubles, then you typically won't complain. So it's just a way to or structure your slavery. And once you can come to grips with that and, and understand the, the ideas and principles of natural law, then you can kind of push away from that system and, and understand that there are better and more productive and uh, more liberating um, concepts than collectivism. But once again, collectivism works well in your home. It works well in a small community. So people decide that you can push that onto a larger group, and it, it works out, and it never does. So, what should we talk about first? Let's talk about the Ukraine. Then we'll get into Ebola, and then I'll cover some like regular uh, news stuff that I think is interesting. So, this comes out of um, Global Research, and if anybody um, has not checked out their website, I would highly recommend it. Globalresearch.ca is the website. And um, actually, I did not put up my post from last week, so shame on me. So, I'll put them both up today. And um, you guys will be able to reference the articles that I um, that I talk about here in the show. Be able to pull them up and read them for yourself, even though I read uh, bits and pieces of them here. So we're going to pick up about halfway through the um, the idea of the Ukraine. So once again, the Ukraine now is um, is run by um, neo Nazis, which should be. Uh, Interesting, uh, to say the least, which are basically fascists. So, and then you have, then you have Russia, which is um, I don't really know the idea what Russia is going for here, but it looks like that um, through all the economic indicators that I've heard and uh, looked at myself, it looks like they're trying to gather populations. So they would, I guess you can say that um, Putin's trying to rekindle the old Soviet Union, but um, what they're really trying to stave off is uh, economic pressures from the West and um, basically all-out collapse by their society with their replacement rate being really low and uh, just not having a thriving economy, especially when a lot of it's based on um, energy sources that, uh, hey, the West is completely um, stonewalling them on. So whatever. So here we go. And it's um, the title of the article is All Out War in Ukraine, and and it says NATO's Final Offensive, and this is written by um, Professor James Petraeus. So here we go. Okay, a war signs, propaganda, and sanctions campaign from the G20 summit and the military buildup. The official drum beating from a widening conflict in the Ukraine, spearheaded by the Kiev junta and its military fascists, echoes in every mass Western mass media outlet every day. Major mass media propaganda mills and government spokesmen and women published and announced their new triumphant accounts of the growing mil Russian military threats to its neighbors and cross-border invasions into the Ukraine. The new Russian incursions reported by the Nordic borders and the Baltic states to the Caucasus. The Swedish regime creates a new level of hysteria over a mysterious Russian submarine off the coast of Stockholm, which it never identifies or locates, let alone confirms the quote-unquote sighting. And continuing, Estonia and Latvia claim Russian warplanes violated their airspace without, <clears throat> without confirmation. Poland expands, expels Russian spies without proof or witnesses. 
Provocative full-scale joint NATO and state military exercises are taking place along Russian fronts in the Baltic, Poland, Romania, and the Ukraine. NATO is is sending vast arms of ships to the Kiev Junta along along with special forces quote-unquote advisors and the counterinsurgency experts in anticipation of a full-scale attack against the rebels in the Donbass. The Kiev regime never abided by the Masonic ceasefire. According to the UN Human Rights Office, 13 people on average, mostly citizens, have been killed each day since September's ceasefire. In eight weeks, the UN reports that 957 people have been killed overwhelmingly by Kiev's armed forces. The regime, in turn, uh, has cut all basic social and public services to the public or the People's Republic, including electricity, fuel, uh, civil service salaries, pensions, medical supplies, salaries for teachers and medical workers, municipal workers' wages, banking, and transportations have all been blockaded. The strategy to further strangle the economy, destroy the infrastructure, and force an even greater mass exodus to delude. Um, Excuse me, exodus of destitute refugees from the densely populated cities across the borders of Russia and then launch a massive air, military, and arsenal and ground assaults on urban centers as well as rebel bases. The Kiev Junta has launched an all out military mobilization in Western regimes accompanied by rabid anti Russian, anti Eastern Orthodox indoctrination campaigns designed to attract most violent far right. Uh, Shivan's thugs, and to incorporate the Nazi-style military brigades into the front line of shock troops. Clinical use of irregular fascist militia will free, quote-unquote, NATO and German from the responsibility of the inevitable terror and aristocrats in their own campaign. This system of plausible deniability, imagine that, mirrors the tactics of German Nazisms whose hordes of fascists, Ukraine and Yudish Kotoks, were notorious in their epoch of, or excuse me, were notorious in their epoch of ethnic cleansing. And it says the G20 plus NATO supports the Kiev Blitz. To isolate and weaken the resistance in Donbass, the guarantee of the victory impelling in Kiev Blitz, the UN and the US are intensifying their economic, military, and diplomatic pressure on Russia to abandon the nascent people's democracy in the southeast region of Ukraine, their principal ally. Each and every escalation in economic sanctions against Russia is designed to weaken the capacity of Donbass to resist fighters to defend their homes, towns, and cities. Each and every Russian shipment and essential medical supplies of food is to be to the to the benign population invokes a new and more hysterical outburst because it encounters a Kiev NATO strategy of starving the participants and the mass base into submission of provoking their fight across the Russian safety border. And it continues on. And then it talks about the Russian response here. And I'll read a little bit of this, and then we'll be wrapping it up for this article, and I'll expand on this a little bit more. Russian diplomats are despite or are desperate to find a compromise which allows the Ukrainian ethnic Ukraine Russian population in the southeast to retain some autonomy under the federal federation federation plan to regain the alliance in the quote new post putsch uh, Ukraine 
Russian military strategists have provided logical and military aid in the resistance to order to avoid a repeat of the Odessa massacre of ethnic, ethnic Russians by the Ukrainian fascists on a massive scale. Above all, Russia cannot afford to have a NATO Nazi Kiev military bases along its southern underbelly and imposed by a blockade of Crimea and forcing the mass exodus of ethnic Russians from the Donbass. Under Putin, the Russian government has tried to propose compromises along with Western economic supremacy over the Ukraine, but without NATO military expansion and absorption by Kiev. Now, here's the interesting thing to think about when, when we're, you're listening to me talk about or read about all of these different things that are going on in Russia. NATO was never supposed to be this close to Russia. It was actually part of the part of the agreement that they signed to actually form NATO. So it's interesting to see how the West is always talking about Russia, 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 when they're breaking their own treaties and, and doing things to basically poke the bear. No pun intended with Russia and everything. But this is why I am so concerned with what's going to go on over there. Because Russia, you know, economically is slowing down. They have a, a lot of social ch challenges, and you're running into um, when you're starting to stop people from utilizing their their energy sources and things that they actually have rights to, and um, kind of stepping your bounds. Imagine that U.S. stepping their bounds uh, internationally. Um, it uh, it really does create a lot of tension, and it is really unnecessary. Even though um, I'm sure Zygmunt Brzezinski would love this idea and strategy, and probably he and his family is somewhere in the ranks of this all um, all of the uh, different uh, sanctions and what have you. Um, it is um, it is not what free people want. We don't like provoking other nations. We don't like pushing other countries around. Don't like being the bully. And yes, for all of you Americans that think that we should be the world police, then then go ahead and go sign up for the military and sign up for that portion of it. Because um, uh, I've talked to a lot of former military, and once you're in it, it is um, it's not nearly as cut and dry as they make it seem to be here in America. It is uh, it is actually very, very challenging, uh, very stressful, and uh, the person that you are training today might be firing at you tomorrow is the, the line that I hear all the time. So continuing on with the article, and then we're going to wrap it up. The democratically elected compromise regime in Kiev was overthrown in February of 2014 hmm, by the West and a violent pooch, and which installed a pro-NATO junta. Oh, imagine that. Kiev violated the Minsk agreement with impunity and encouraged from NATO powers and Germany. A recent G20 meeting, man, those are good people, meeting in Australia featured a rabble-rousing rabble chorus against President Putin. The critical four-hour private meeting between Putin and Merkel turned into a fiasco when German patriotics, uh, German, or basically Germans parroted the NATO chorus. So everybody's kind of lining up against Russia, and this is... And this is, once again, this is not, uh, Russia's got a lot of nuclear weapons, people. These guys are not, you know, pushovers. This isn't, uh, this isn't walking through, you know, Africa. This is, uh, these guys are, these guys are a real deal, so. And, and I'll, let me finish up and then I'll give my ticket. Putin finally responded by expanding Russian air and ground support preparedness along its borders, and then, you know, the U.S. will call that a buildup. Well, just responding to what they're doing to them. So, you know, we're allowed to mess with everybody on the planet, but if they start doing things to protect themselves, then, oh my God, they're terrorists. Yeah.
which is funny. You can kind of draw a parallel to that to the average citizen here in America. Most important, President Putin announced that Russia cannot stand alone and will allow the massacre of the whole people of the Nobas region. In Poroshenko's forthcoming blitz against the people in the southern Ukraine designed to provoke a Russian response to a humanitarian crisis, correct? Question mark. Will Russia confront the NATO-directed Kiev offensive and risk a total break with the West? Question mark. Now, that's a very interesting question. I mean, so... The United States goes along with NATO and under the guides of freedom and and uh, world peace and goes and messes with people. It's um it's amazing. And then they have their controlled media back here in the states basically tell you that down is up and up is down. And and you buy it because you don't want to read. And not saying you, audience, because you guys do. So that's what we need to really focus on here. So let's shift. Uh, let's shift into the next article here. Hold on one second. Let me pull it up. Okay. So before we get to the next article, let me um kind of go back to the the situation there for a moment. It really is a microcosm or a macrocosm, if you will. Of what happens to you when you're under an oligarchical, planned, destructive, collectivist ideology. Now, Russia was not doing anything. Um, they went in to secure their pipelines. Now, some people can see that as aggressive, and then the West is going to spin it as aggressive because... There needs to be some kind of boogeyman because the American people is not buying the fact that ISIS or ISIL is a, is a boogeyman. Actually, I think what's happening is we're in our third generation of perpetual warfare. And I just think that the American people are finally becoming wise to the idea that we're always perpetually at war. And once again, quote 1984... We're always at war with East Asia. We've never been at war with East Asia. You know, that kind of stuff. So, they create a system where they cause the insurrection themselves. And they cause the insurrection by putting pressure on you. Using leverage to create a no-win situation for the person or the entity itself. So, from this predicament... Russia has the world's largest economy, um, amongst a couple of others, putting pressure on it when the only thing that it can do is try to survive. And the only real thing that it has going for it is the, is the gas and, and the oil that it has within its own nation state. So geopolitically saying, Russia is like the, I guess, the libertarian slash... Um, I could say Tea Party Republicans, I guess, because they put you in a predicament where anything that goes against the status quo or anything that goes against whatever their propaganda arm is telling you, they create an environment that makes you a quote-unquote terrorist, or at least they like to call you a terrorist. So the way that we're seen here in the United States, people like myself that think that the Federal Reserve should be 
uh, abolished. The the way that we have our currency set up should be different. The way that we allow states' rights should be increased. Because I believe that the more power that you give to a, a local authority, the better off you're going to be and, and the more freedom you're going to have because it's who, – yeah, who better to, to regulate your local community than hell, the people in your community, not some bureaucrat from Washington that got a, a fancy paycheck to slide a piece of paper through in order to get you know funding for a, a new plant or something of that nature or a new bid, bridge built or something like that. So that person, like myself, is against the status quo because I don't want equality. I don't want equal outcome. No, that's not what America is about. That's not what capitalism is about. That's not what life is about. Life is not about equal outcome. You look at the jackals and you look at nature in itself and you look and see that does the, does the animal that typically – and I'm not promoting a social Darwinian aspect here. I'm just thinking about you know from a logical perspective. When you have a, a herd animal, which, by the way, guys, we're, we're all herd animals, um, and you have somebody that, um, that doesn't really contribute enough. I mean, do they, do they get to eat? Yeah, they're going to get to eat. Do they get to survive with the pack? Yes, because there's strength in numbers. But they're typically not the one that will go out and trailblaze and go out and, and be the one that, that wins the kill for the pack or whatever. So... So does that mean that they're entitled to just the same amount as the person or entity or animal that risks its life to go and, and kill for the pack? No, absolutely not. And it's the same kind of concept here in America. But we have this idea and this delusion that, um, that entry-level jobs are supposed to be self-sustaining and career-based jobs. Like, the idea that... Um, that you go flip hamburgers at Wendy's should be able to pay for a family of five is absurd. And I'm sorry that you have to get two jobs doing that or maybe three jobs doing that or something of that nature. Maybe you could go develop a skill. But see, that's where the problem is, is the education system doesn't teach you that if you don't want to be um, a scientist or if you don't want to be a researcher or if you don't want to be a um, a um, an astronaut, or if you don't want to be something that has a specialized area or a MD or something like that, that um, that if you don't go to college, then you're not worth anything. That's actually really ridiculous because a lot of very successful people never went to college, and a lot of successful people never graduated high school. And why is that? Well, because they found something in life that made them valuable. And this is back to the open market society. You have something that you can bring to the table that's of value. Whether it's learning a skill, uh, being something like an electrician or a mechanic, something like that. That's a skill. You don't have to go to school for that. You don't have to go get a, you know, a, a um, electrical engineering degree to be able to do low voltage electrical work. You can make good money doing that, especially if you're very good. So. This idea that we've created here in America of equality, and um, you know, I got on the racism thing last week, and it's a, it's a similar concept. I mean, we're, we're human beings; we're not wired to look and and talk like um, automatons or androids. We're going to have feelings. We're going to have emotions. We're going to have different things that were embedded in our childhood that you're not going to be able to remove from my my um, understanding and my experiences. You can't remove those from somebody. 
If somebody had a bad experience with a dog when they were really little, typically you can't remove that, and they will always be skeptical, fearful, you know, a little bit hesitant in front of dogs, especially large dogs, because it brings back that memory, even though they can't trace it back to that specific event that they had when they were a child, and they, either they were bit or they were growled at or something like that, and it scared them. You can't do that. So... This idea that we have in America that everybody has to be equal and everybody needs a, a fair shot is really not Americana at all. It, it is the idea of collectivism, and collectivism does nothing but destroy, especially when you have a fiat money system that's run by a bunch of people that set the interest rates. So that's why I get really upset when people try to throw social issues at me. We can worry about the social issues later. We've got people rigging the game against you, and you don't give a flying rip about that. But you would like to sit here and lecture me about how people in Walmart deserve the day off on Thanksgiving, or how people that work here at a corporate store, you know, deserve more time with their family. It it doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that this touchy-feely education that you got from the public education system to condition you to be a servile little bitch has basically left you into this idea that, oh, everybody can just hug and get to... No. Look at what happened with ISIS. That is a Western-funded operation, Western intelligence. Um, so British intelligence, American intelligence, Israeli intelligence, Saudi Arabia, everybody's got their hand on these guys. And it's not that they drive them and, and like drop them off and say, hey, go, go attack. It's not what they do. They've funded them. They give them arms. So, I mean, Hillary Clinton even admits that, that we funded these people and we gave them weapons. Yeah, to destabilize the region so you can come in and play hero because you need perpetual war because you're in a fiat money system. That's why the debates and the conversations with people that don't understand economics will never get any further than emotion. Because they don't understand what has set the system up in the first place. They don't understand what makes the system run. They don't care to understand. They want to change the system. It's like saying that I have a dog with three legs, but i really like to get him some shoes. Or I have a dog with two legs, and i really like to get him some shoes so he can get more traction with those two legs. How about you get him a cart so he can pull himself along? No, we can't do that. No, because I, I want to get the shoes for it. If I get the shoes, then the dog will feel better about itself. Be able to walk faster and not have you know its paws hurt so bad. It's the same kind of concept. You're not fixing the problem. You're just putting Band-Aids on it. And believe me, if you had a different economy... If you had a real economy, not this fake economy that we all live in, that would change society. If you got rid of the drug laws, that would change the way that socially, um, socially acceptable drugs are looked at. I mean, think about it. If you legalized everything tomorrow, and the researchers that actually said, okay, we're going to start at the top, and we're going to start banning the things that are the most dangerous for you, guess what? Alcohol and cigarettes, you are the first ones to go. Life sucks. But you can't do that, and you can't think of it logically, because the state, remember, the state creates this omnipotent presence through its buildings, its structure, and its people in suits, and people out waving signs for people with different colors on them. It creates this illusion 
that there is some bigger entity out there, that there is some kind of mommy and daddy looking over us to keep us safe from one another, when in reality they're, they're just human beings. They're human beings worshipping something that isn't even there. Now how silly is that? You can make fun of Christians and Islamicists all day, at least they have moral compasses. The state doesn't have a moral compass. The state says if you're against me, if you're against me, you don't need to be converted. You just need to be put in a cage. If you do things outside of my will, you need to be put in a cage. Better yet, if you do things to your own body that I don't agree with, then I get to put you in a cage. How insane is that, that we follow this idea of the state? That we follow this, I mean, there's not to say that there shouldn't be laws and codes that we should follow as human beings living amongst each other on this planet, on this rock out in the middle of the freaking universe. That's really crazy to think about. Next time you go outside and it's a clear night, look up at the stars. Those are big balls of gas. Those are suns billions of miles away. And yet, all we can do is just sit up there and go, oh, look, that's a little dipper. Oh, cool, there's Orion's belt right there. That's nice. Think about what you're looking at. So that's a, that's a good adage to think about news, too. When you read this stuff, think about what you're looking at. Think about what you're seeing. Is it real? Is it real because somebody in a suit tells you it's real? See, I think that the American public is eventually going to wake up to the appeal to authority... And then that's when I think the paradigm will be over. As soon as we can get past this idea of the appeal to authority, because somebody looks a certain way, talks a certain way, acts a certain way, and has confidence in a certain way, doesn't mean that they're the leader, that they're the one in charge. It's a con game. Understand that in your own psyche, in your own mind, you have to make the idea for yourself that you're a free individual with free thought and the ability to create free ideas that propagate the planet. And once again, moving back to the point that I started with, create your value in society. Whatever your value may be, just create it. Find a way to do it. Like I said, if you, want, if you don't want to flip burgers for the rest of your life, then maybe the days that you aren't working, you try to enroll in some kind of school to where you can get a different type of education, a trade school. Work on airplanes. Who knows? There's going to be tons of people working on drones in the future. You might want to get a job doing that. And if you can be one of the best drone repairers, heaven forbid we end up like an oblivion situation with Tom Cruise, but hey... At least you'll have a job, and you won't be flipping burgers. And I know that sounds like a really simple solution to most, and I know it's very difficult. But then again, you have to admit that you have a challenge in front of you. Take the challenge and then move forward. Because if you can't, then I don't want to hear anybody complain about why you're in the situation that you're in if you've done nothing to change it. So, anyway... That's my little diatribe about that. It just kind of aggravates me that, you know, that we have people that believe that um, entry-level jobs should be... Well, once again, it's not really their fault. It's part of the system, it's the way it's set up. The system is set up to create dependency, people. 
pure and simple. Create dependency on the state, create dependency on the economy, create dependency on everything. Unless you're like my friend Josh Wiley that's just going to go out and live on his own property and grow his own food and do things like that, he will be the enemy of the state. He would be terrorist numero uno because he's not doing what the state wants and what the overarching oligarchs set up over 200 years ago. And that is a state that makes you dependent on it so that they can slowly put you into a state of slavery. But that's okay. So, here we go. Moving on. All right. Now, let's talk about Ebola. Remember, I thought Ebola was gone. What? Oh, man. I thought Ebola was fine. No. So... Given the fact that the media here in America hasn't really covered it, and they were basically ordered to, uh, I think Infowars covered that, and it was a Wall Street Journal article that I read that was pretty interesting. Now, I can understand you can make the argument that you don't want to incite fear, panic, hysteria, all that good stuff, but hey, hey, journalists, um, we kind of need to know stuff. We're not little children. I know you think you're big and tough and, and you're really important. Because the government tells you to hold on to a story and, you know, keep it on the hush-hush so we don't freak everybody out. But And I know you feel cool because you're part of the club, but you're going to be, you know, you're going to be burnt whenever they're ready to get rid of you. Once they figure out how to get the computers to write all the articles and stuff like that, you guys will be toast. But hey, you know what? Selling out is too much fun, so enjoy it. Alright, so here we go. Um, the Ebola infections in West Africa total uh, 16,000. Oh, that's pretty deep. The number of Ebola patients in West Africa has ridden above 16,000, and the death toll of the outbreak is reaching almost 7,000, says the WHO, which is probably very underestimated. The number of deaths is more than 1,000 higher than the figure issued by the WHO in the last two days because they include deaths that have gone unreported. Hmm. In the last weeks or months, when the outbreak began, most of the new deaths were recorded in Liberia. The WHO warned that the figures could be significantly underestimate could be a significant underestimation of the number of infections and the number of deaths. So, really, what they're this is a complete whitewash telling you that, hey, just say it's a thousand, but you know it's probably more like ten or fifteen. But whatever, yeah, it's just a zero. Who cares? Data from the outbreak has been patchy and often totals rise considerably when the backlogs of information are cleared. Oh, hmm, yes. The latest data confirmation shows that almost half of those who have been infected with Ebola have died. Meanwhile, two children tested with Ebola have arrived in Britain from Africa are not infected. Uh, the Public Health uh, England confirmed on Saturday. said the overall risk for the public health and the virus continues to be, quote-unquote, very low. Mm. And remember, government will never lie to you, so, you know, take that to the bank. Children whose ages and names are not yet released underwent precautionary tests in the Newcastle and found both for, virus or for the virus and malaria. The outbreak has been centered around Guinea or, yeah, Guyana. Liberia and Sierra Leone. They account for the vast majority of cases reported to the date. There are about three dozen cases elsewhere. Liberia recorded the highest number of causes and deaths, and and the infection is slowing there. The disease is now spreading fastest in Sierra Leone. When Josh Wiley and I talked about all the different um, 
parts and pieces of Sierra Leone that were pretty interesting. And I think that was a couple of podcasts ago when we did our Ebola breakdown. So you guys might want to check that out if you want a good reference point. I'll also uh, put the hyperlink in the uh, show notes for this show. Molly has started to record. Molly started recording infections of sick people after crossing over the border of Ghana and reported two new cases this week. Oh, how exciting! And the outbreak is worse partially because it occurs in a high, highly mobile region of Liberia, Ghana, and Sierra Leone met and quickly spread throughout the um, repetitive capital cities. Quickly spread through their respective capital cities. Another UN agency, the Food and Agriculture Organization. Warned that families in the three countries were at risk for both malnutrition and undernutrition. Vincent Martin of the FAO, the Food and Agriculture Organization, said that 70 people interviewed in Sierra Leone had been eating only one meal a day since the outbreak rather than two or three. Restrictions on the movement and led to panic of buying food, food shortages, severe price hikes, said the agency, the WHO. Said the week of the outbreak of Ebola on the Democratic Republic of Congo has ended, and it did in Nigeria as it did in Nigeria in late October. The guidelines of the state and the country have declared a um, declared free of the virus 42 days after it's passed, and no new cases have been detected. 42 days represent since the time of the maximum incubation period for the Ebola. Scientists said on Thursday that progress towards creating an Ebola vaccine have been made. Ooh, that's exciting. An experimental vaccine has triggered promising immune responses and has, and, and oh, excuse me, an experimental vaccine has triggered promise, promising immune responses for 20 healthy volunteers in the preliminary trial. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, you guys are good. Suggesting that it would be, it should be able to protect against infection. Oh, yes, that'll be fun. Trials of the trials of the oh, excuse me trials of the device that can diagnose the Ebola infection within 15 minutes are about to start in Guyana. The trials the test which would analyze blood and saliva is six times faster than those used in West Africa. So interesting. I like how um, how it's spun. The fact that oh well they just you know. Stuff just kind of gets left by the wayside, and we just we don't get updated numbers. And so when we do, then the numbers jump up. So what does that mean? When it says that they're not getting updated numbers, does that mean they're holding them back? No, no, they can't be holding them back. Does that mean they'd be lying to you? Governments would never lie to you guys. Come on. They're your buddies. Okay, so I've got two different articles that I would like to uh, talk about here briefly with the time that we got left, and then I'll uh, close the show. So this one's out of medical press, and it says trigger for stress processes is discovered in the brain. And I'm going to skip to about half of this article, and I'm not going to read it all, so you guys don't have to hear me babble through this thing. Actually, I can read it all. Well, no, it gets into like a lot of the hypothalamus and stuff that's really difficult to, difficult to um, comprehend over radio, I guess. So here we go. The therapeutic, we have now have a better understanding of how stress is generated, says um, Dr. Thomas Holfuck of the Karasko Institute and the guest professor at um, Meden, Vienna. It could result in further development where serotonin, or excuse me, secret, secret cogin, is deployed as a tool of stress to help people in suffering from mental illness such as depression, burnout, post-traumatic stress, 
but also from chronic stress being brought on by pain. If a rapid, if a rapid recovery phase allows for the pro, uh, period of stress, then the body and mind restore to normal working order, which is associated with suppression and release of circulating stress hormones. In contrast, the consequences of chronic stress are manifold can be, for example, lead to an increasingly tendency to suffer from infections, also known um, to high blood pressure, diabetes, increased risk of cardiovascular disease and chronic headaches, um, osteoporosis, and others. Illnesses resulting in stress uh, steadily increase in the frequency and place the burden on the health system. The European Agency of Health and Safety at the work, therefore, dedicated 2000 or 24 to the subject of stress. In 2014, to the subject of stress. According to the Austrian Employers Organization, international studies show that Europe, over 50% of sick leave is attributable to some form of stress. And the recent analysis of the Australian Economic Research Institute of EIS said the figure is 7 billion euros a year, which is placed on economic damage due to mental illness in Austria. So, this is all very good. You know, I'm all for science, believe me. Anything that can help somebody that comes back from war or something that is extremely dangerous um, really does lend itself to something that I would be interested in. Because I think that it's inevitable that we're going to advance as uh, as a species, that we're going to evolve, and um, I think that technology is going to be able to assist us in the evolution of uh, how to maximize the potential of our bodies. Do I believe in the transhumanist idea? That kind of crosses some lines with me. I, I, don't, I don't feel like trying to upload my consciousness into some cyborg, but then again, if you want to go for it, I guess... Um, you know, I'm not here to tell you what to do or how to do it. I just would uh, caution you against a lot of the um, the ramifications of that. Is that is it really you if you transfer your consciousness into a robot? And I would say no, because there's no spirit. So even though I don't practice a, a religion per se, I, I do know that, um, that my spirit is connected to my body, and whatever you want to call it, spirit, um, your aura, what, whatever. It's connected, and there's a there's a portion of me that I can't explain that's um, that's connected to this um, this vessel that I'm in currently, this human body that we're all in. If you're listening to this show, so the idea that we could help people by finding out what triggers stress and, and lowering that and giving them a um, a better option in life, then by all means, that would be fantastic. But the thing that would concern me is that um, they give this to a bunch of, um, which is probably already happening, by the way. If they're announcing stuff like this, and it's probably already been vetted somewhere in some black lab and given to a bunch of um, soldiers. And that's what I would be very concerned about, is if you gave um, or if you minimize that, uh, that stress level on soldiers, um, that becomes dangerous because... Now their body's not used to stress, and um, if they ever stop taking it, I wonder what the uh, side effects would be then. If you're used to taking something and you don't take it, and it kind of stresses you out, and it takes you through the roof, I guess. But it's just very, very difficult to to really draw the line. And that's what we're going to have to do eventually, is find out what um, where does human ingenuity stop? Where do we, 
where do we stop it? Some people say, don't stop it, just let it roll. And and I get nervous because the majority of these ideas and and um, and societal societal um, predictions or societal plans are not planned out by us, the individuals. They're planned out by um, people above governments that have an idea in mind. Once again, going back to the oligarchical collectivism. It's not just me saying that. There was thousands of books written about it, um, a lot of which are readily accessible. Um, A couple are on my website, wearenotcattle.net. You can go under um, books I think you should read, and there's PDFs there for you to read. And they'll describe it, and they'll describe what they're looking to do because they believe, and once again, they meaning uh, people that uh, believe they are of higher mental acuity than you, have already figured out the best way for humanity to survive, and that is to dumb down the population, let them be servile slaves, um, give them baubles, and um, typically reduce the population to where it doesn't affect the earth. Because right now we're at a population increase, and we're going to increase to nine billion, and then we'll start to we'll start to taper off dramatically because the replacement rates won't be there from the Western world, at least. And um, so that's what they believe. They believe that they've got it all kind of engineered out. They're going to be the uh, the arbiters or the um, the guardians of Earth, and we're going to be the uninformed unwashed masses, so to speak, which I, I, I take offense to because I can read and now I'm starting to realize that um, that we don't need to do this. We don't need to go down this road. So, all right, we got a few minutes left in the show and I do want to close out with um, this last article because it's, um, it's a microcosm of, excuse me, it's a microcosm of um, human nature in America. So here we go. <coughs> uh, Americans will totally get this because you guys are a bunch of weirdos. Um, not saying you guys, people that are listening to this show, just um, trendy people, people that um, that love Madison Avenue, that think that um, that every new fad that comes along needs to be adopted and um, propagated um, through peer pressure and and the social norms are are a little bit strange. I, I was one of you, but now that I see what it is, I um. I'm, I'm nervous. Actually, I should bring up the shock bracelet stuff on this. Anyway. Okay, one to avoid a second helping? Electric shock bracelet pr- promises to help. An American company created the Pav- Pavlik, or Pav- no way, Pavlock, an electronic wristband that is designed to try to change bad habits. Oh, yes, because you were such a moron that you have no self-esteem and you can't change it on your own, you need to be electrically shocked. And this is just conditioning for you to accept this kind of crap in the future. But hey, don't do that. I'm going to play that TSA uh, clip here in a minute. I'm going to go ahead and try to pull that up on the YouTubes here with the shock bracelets so you guys can hear all this. Uh, it's it's r- ridiculous. Okay, an American company has produced a wristband that aims to install good habits in people, giving them an electric shock whenever they stray. Oh, great, now we're just all going to turn into a bunch of cattle. No pun intended. The Pavlock is worn in the fit, uh, Fitbit bracelet, like a Fitbit bracelet, and can be activated manually or automatically through the app. Inspired by Pavlov's theory, who trained his dogs to expect food every time the bell rang, which is not true, 
It's not what the experiment was about, but you know what? Who cares? Or that's actually not what happened at the end of the experiment. You know, it was just people would come in with the white lab coats. They didn't even need to ring the bell. But hey, who would... Yeah, whatever. The app wearer is supposed to learn to avoid certain behavior or else it will receive an electric shock sent out from the band. Ooh, yeah. This sounds like good old-fashioned brainwashing. The idea that everybody has these things that they should, they know they shouldn't do, uh, said Michan Shanti, who created Pavlov. If you start to add a small amount of shock when they do stupid things, you can almost just increase the awareness of the activity in your daily routine. I'd like to say that for at least a thousand years, we've tamed the environment, but we've never tamed ourselves. Mm. It's actually pretty good. Mr. Sethi explained that, for instance, looking to lose weight could shock themselves when their plate was half finished to encourage themselves to stop eating, or it could just, or you, or you could just, you know, cut your gut open and you know, throw your stomach on the table. Whatever, you know, don't. Yeah, this is so weird. Or if they knew they were wasting too much time on social media, you could shock yourself and snap your attention away from the device. He told the Daily Dot website that activating the public manually might sound um, counterproductive to the aim of the device. His team's research showed that it applied self-shock or more effective than autom- the self-shock was more effective than automatic shock. Having the pavlog on your wrist opens your awareness of your habits, he claimed. It makes you ask yourself, why am I hungry again? The shock delivered in two mini amperes, and the manufacturers claim that nearly no dangers or nor excessive pain. The advice goes on sale next year for 250 bucks. So cool, for 250 bucks, you get to shock yourself. This is awesome. And on the other website, the company, if the one thing that you can't do every day of the year, who would you become? Change is hard. Oh, yes, change is hard. Let us shock you. We're held back by distractions, other people, and often ourselves. But isn't change, But change isn't impossible. Choose a daily action with the Pavlov to help you keep you accountable, ensuring lasting success. The American journalist E.J. Dickinson tested the bracelet for a week on his Thanksgiving meal, um... Activating the shock when she was tempted for the second helping. The shop was is a is a shock therapy wearable necessity or ugh, sorry guys. Is a shock therapy wearable necessity in the healthiest way to preventing overeating or even obsessive compulsive? Probably not, she concluded. That said, I'd be lying if it wasn't at least a little effective. Today, I was more—I was able to button my trousers. Well, good for you. You know, that's great. So, let me see if I can find this shock, uh, this shock bracelet here. Hold on one second. Um, stay with me, everybody. You know, I could pause this since I'm... Um, So I'm just going to Google the taser bracelets. Uh, here it is. All right. So um, stand by. How much time we got? Oh, perfect. Everybody get ready for the taser bracelets because this will be a whole bunch of fun. Just have to make sure that my importing is in the right spot so everybody can hear it. So stand by, everyone. We are almost home. Um and I didn't know I was going to play an audio clip, otherwise I would have um, 
I would have had all this stuff set up. So, playback. Alright, and... Okay, so we're going to do this, and hopefully this will work, everyone. Let's see. Stand by, and... If not, I'm going to edit out all of that stuff that I just did, the blammering and blubbering. So, the last line of defense. Both the traveling public and the airport go. security. Enjoy, everyone. I've played this before, but this is beautiful. Terrorist hijackers were able to terrorists pass through the numerous high-tech security checkpoints in airports in both Boston and Washington in order to carry out their horrific plans. Horrific plans. Since 9 funded by Saudi Arabia. The pressure from government agencies and the public to seriously upgrade security at all airport checkpoints in both Canada and the United States has been intense. Airports have responded by spending billions of dollars to beef up pre-boarding security measures. One of the new security technologies being introduced at airports is a face recognition system called biometrics. Cameras capture images of people that are then compared to digital photos of known and suspected terrorists stored in a computer database. However, aviation experts are quick to point out that biometric systems that analyze physical characteristics like face, iris, or fingerprints take too much time and would increase the number of flight delays and cancellations. Also, biometric systems only work if the person is already a known terrorist with information and a photo on file. The Transportation Security Administration has also invested heavily in explosive detection machines. Over 1,100 of these devices have been set up in 400 airports across the U.S. at a cost of $350,000 each. Again, experts are quick to point out that even the most advanced bomb detection device would not have stopped the terrorists on September the 11th. They essentially used the aircraft as bombs. The painful reality is that regardless of how sophisticated the technology is, the technology is only as good as the people using it. Employees working at minimum wage seldom have the police training and certification necessary to be 100% effective. Once terrorists are on board an aircraft, the pilot and the crew are left to face the militants alone. Nah, that's actually not true because um, the pilots have steel doors now that you can't get in. So, And continuing with the brainwashing. This was so much fun when I watched it the first time. They are the last line of defense. This is not reassuring. Terrorists are well-trained, oh, religiously well motivated, Ooh, and always. already committed to suicide in order to complete their mission. Some flights may have an armed air marshal on board to deter hijackers. Uh -oh. The image of an air marshal opening fire in the close confines of an aircraft is not a good one. Oh, no. The chances of inadvertently puncturing an airline wall or hitting an innocent passenger are extremely high. Reinforced cockpit doors should be installed on all planes by some time in 2003. But they will still be vulnerable to any determined terrorist with plastic explosives. Is there a solution to deterring hijackers once they are on the aircraft? Yes, there is a very viable, workable answer. It starts here, when passengers are issued their tickets. At that time, they can also be fitted with a special electronic ID bracelet 
that they will wear until they disembark the flight at their destination. These electronic coded bracelets will make traveling much more convenient for the public. No, oh, it's much more it convenient. It will replace the need to carry a ticket by containing all pertinent passenger information. In addition, the bracelet could permit tracking of the passenger through the terminal, oh, including carry-on luggage. Oh, that's important. Checked luggage can be coded to match the bracelet to ensure no tampering or diversions. By further equipping each bracelet with EMD technology, the bracelets will allow crew members using radio frequency transmitters to quickly and effectively subdue hijackers. <laughs> the electromuscular disruption signal overrides the attacker's central nervous system and will render even the most elite and aggressive terrorist completely immobile Ooh, for several elite minutes. Terrorists. This will allow the crew to subdue and handcuff that individual. EMD technology is designed to incapacitate a target from a safe distance without causing permanent injury, which means these criminals will survive and go to trial. The bracelet would only be armed by someone on board upon confirmation that a takeover situation exists. To a businessman on his way home to be reunited with his family, oh, yes. or to a young family going south for a winter holiday, oh, yes. wearing an EMD safety bracelet for a few hours during a flight is a small inconvenience to ensure their safe arrival. We feel if given the choice between taking a flight employing the added security of the EMD safety bracelet system and taking a flight without the additional security, Many, if not most, passengers would happily opt for the extra security of the EMD safety bracelet. Oh, yes. So there you go. That is your EMD safety bracelet. And that was actually rejected a long time ago, but they still kind of tout that around every once in a while. And we'll try to push that through. So always interesting to see how things come full circle so that's it for the show, everybody. Remember, uh, get a friend, get informed, get involved. It is... Um, it's going to be next week before I produce another show, so look for that. Um, I guess I'm going to chart making the air date somewhere even either 6 o'clock on Sundays or 9 o'clock. And um, I should do a live show, but uh, I have really bad bandwidth here. So maybe I'll try one next weekend or in a couple of weeks. And maybe I'll try one at night, so in case it goes really bad, that... Um, it won't be too much of a disaster but thank you all for the people that do listen live uh when i do uh, post the show i do appreciate it and thank you everybody for sharing the show uh once again I, I keep getting increasing numbers and there's nothing that i can do but thank you guys for sharing the message of liberty uh human interaction uh human conversation and once again uh self-reliance and self um and uh self-evaluation those are the uh the concepts we like to push here so you know, how dare we push concepts like that? Those are uh, those are outdated. Maybe we should all just like I don't know. Have a uh have a big kumbaya session one time on the We Are Not Cattle Network. I should do that. I have a live show where all the listeners call in, so maybe I'll work on that. We'll see. Uh you guys want to send me your feedback on that, go ahead and leave a leave a comment on my Facebook page or you can uh hit me up on Twitter, we are not cattle number one. Let me know if you'd be interested in doing a live call-in show for maybe two hours. Maybe I could do that. Take your phone calls. Take your questions. Uh, maybe I could get uh, guests like Josh Wiley and Robert Wasman and um, Matthew Dalton and uh, other people that have been on the show before. And, um, yeah, I'm going to work on trying to get um, 
a couple of the old guests back on again. I'm going to try to get Freeway Rick Ross back on and um, a couple of those guys. So remember, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, share the message with people you know, people you love, people you like. And let's see if we can't change the conversation on this planet and move it into a peaceful and loving direction. Thanks, everybody. Freedom. Freedom. Dancing, feeling that 